Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. All right, welcome, my friends, to episode 27 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking with our friend Alan Hopkins. He's a black belt from Mississippi. He's been training. He's one of the few people you ask what got you started in doing jiu-jitsu, and, and he was training before the first UFC. Now, that's impressive there. Uh, you know, there's really not very many places to train Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the United States, especially before the UFC. You know, it seems like uh, Hoist was the one who uh, brought it here from the UFC. Everybody watched that, and next thing you know, they're starting school. So uh, to be training that long, and uh, boy, that's uh, that's pretty impressive feat there. Yep, we're happy to have him on the show. We've known him for quite a while. He he He's from Kansas, and and when he traveled through every now and then, he would stop by and do some training with us. So it's been a great opportunity to yeah. early on for us to actually get a black belt to train with sometimes. Yeah, that was neat. I remember uh, a couple of times he came in for a little seminar, and uh, and we got to learn a lot from him. He's uh, a really talented individual. Taught us a lot. Gary, I've got kind of a different quote for us today. Let's hear it. It comes from um, it's like a principle called the law of the instrument. The quote is, I suppose it is tempting if the only tool you have is a hammer to treat everything as if it were a nail. And that's from Abraham Maslow. It'd be nice to have a hammer everywhere. (laughs) Hammering all those screws that are coming loose. Yeah, you know, you'd use it for self-defense. You know, if you got the fender bender in the the parking lot, you could pound the dent out. But so, uh, yeah, definitely. So, off the mat, this this has a lot of applications to, to life, but... You have to define your. The problem has to help you define the solution. You can't walk in with the hammer in hand and, and be ready to finish the job if it doesn't need a hammer. If, yeah. if you need yeah. a measuring tape or a screwdriver. Yeah, you need the right tool for the job. You can't make the hammer fix everything, and uh, it's it's just not feasible. And and also, beware of your habits. A lot of people tend to do the same thing, uh, regardless of what's happening to them or. Or, or what they're what they're going through. You already have your habit set up, and you're going to go right into that. I, I'm a guy of habit myself. My wife always teases me about that. I'm with you. I'm the same way. <laughs> so, um, beware of your habits, and that they may not be helping you achieve your current current goal on the mat. You know, same thing. It, beware of your habits. Yeah, and and if 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 I have if I have back control somebody, my habit is to go for the choke. It's any gi or no gi. I go rear naked choke just because it's what I do. No gi, and I don't have a good, you know. There's a lot of gi chokes from the back, but I need to think about those other options. You know, maybe a gi just choke. going for the hammer. Maybe the armbar. Quit using that same thing as my only option because a lot of times when they're defending that choke well, that armbar is right there. And you know that goes back to uh, a few episodes ago with uh, Roy Marsh, where he was talking about you know take what's presented. You know, don't just try to force your favorite move that you always do let the guy make a mistake take what's in front of you um, it's always something's going to be there it's going to be a different move depending on how the person reacts yep well, that music rolling in we've got an article of the week it is from 
bjjkalen.blogspot.com. It's a little bit of an older article from 2009, but it's it's not really sensitive to time. It's um, safe training rules for women, and if you're a guy, hang tight. You know, like it, it's good to know what how to help a woman train as well. And it's not like a, I mean, it's safe training rules for everybody, but it, there are some differences. And she starts with that. Like there are some biological facts that women aren't as strong or as big or as fast as, as men. So take that into consideration. Um, she, she does recommend rolling with more advanced men because the better that they are at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, the more capable they are as to matching your skill and to give you a good role without being, you know, too too easy on you or being too hard on you they can they can match you match you match up a little bit better she gives some simple rules to follow her first rule i liked it it makes a lot of sense to me for the first two years avoid training with brand new male students at all costs and that that may not be a reality for everybody but try to try yeah definitely try to uh that's where you could get hurt and uh it's not what you want and and after those two years are up you have a deeper understanding of uh, of the jujitsu, and you're able to protect yourself against the more aggressive males that that are just trying to get someone to tap for the first time. They don't care who it is, you know. They might really come after you pretty hard, which is fine, and you'll be able to deal with it. But it's going to be harder to deal with it before your skill set is a little bit higher, which you've gained in those two years of training. And, they, and they're not going to offer you much as far as good advice and, and helping you get better and grow. Another another tip she has: um, if you are unavailable, unable to avoid ruling, uh, training with male students, roll defensively, protect yourself. You're going to be just already have that mindset. You're going to be on the defensive. Um, try to try to control position. Try to try to not get your arms exposed, your neck exposed, and and just know that if you're able to have a good defensive roll, that was a successful roll. Okay. And one of my training partners used to uh, be a guy. Uh, Bruce Redbot, 285 pounds of, you know, really muscular, very fast, uh, very aggressive. And when I would roll with him, that's how I would take it. You know, there's no way I'm going to beat this guy or even come close. But if I could just be a little defensive, and, you know, that's what I would try to do. And, and I, if I could survive two minutes before getting tapped, I took that as a, as a compliment. You know, I was always working defensive positions and little things like you know a hook or you know the way my hips moved was uh, a reward you know was a uh, achievement rolling with him and it helped me a lot yeah so that i mean it's the same it's the same thing uh whether a woman or, or a man with a vastly different strength difference it's the same same principles come into play yeah definitely you know another thing she puts um uh, you know about weight difference you know uh, the majority of your training should be with students within 20 pounds of your weight whenever possible you know it's not always going to be possible but uh, a lot of times unless you've got a really really high skill level that that weight difference is going to make a, a big big difference in your in your uh, training there you know they're going to get crushed yeah and the safety fact there's a safety factor yeah. when you're new at jiu-jitsu that, to deal with a bigger person yeah and you know, nobody wants to get hurt. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu is not about getting hurt, you know. And it kind of, you know, her next point, she talks about don't allow being crushed by guys to frustrate you too much. It's going to happen to all of us. And like you were saying earlier, the the bigger, stronger guy, the, the really good wrestler with a really good top game, you know, gives you no space. Um, I mean, we've all been in that. We, we get frustrated. 
basically just take that as, uh, hey, hopefully I learned something from it, and uh, I'm going to try to learn every single time from it. It's it's going to happen. Maybe I need to work, you know, on space, you know, my hip escapes, uh, but treat it as a positive. Yeah, and and I don't. When I first started jujitsu, we got beat up by a big guy a lot, and definitely I remember those days. And Jason Bircher came in, and he was 150 pounds, and he destroyed that big guy, and it was very motivating for me. Yeah. To see, okay, this does work. It doesn't, I'm not getting it to work, but this little guy just destroyed that big guy over and over again. So we can do it. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. I remember that day. I had a smile on my face from ear to ear watching that. <laughs> um, you know, in the last points you make, so, getting beaten by a guy does not mean that person's better at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or that you don't deserve your belt. It's simple physics. And uh, the bigger person, the stronger person, it's going to happen. That's why we have weight classes. That's why we have men's and women's categories. But, you know, not all the time does, you know, women are going to have to roll with men and and vice versa. I mean, it's a, it's just everyday occurrence there. Yeah, and, and you do, you deserve your belt. That's show the judgment of your instructor that the respect that they, that they decided to award you that belt and that you're not going to question it. I mean, that, you have some self-doubt when you get a belt sometimes. That's understandable. But they know what they're doing. you yeah. got to trust that and, and that you did earn and you deserve your belt. Whether you get occasionally beat by somebody who's a lower-ranked belt than you, that's reality. That's that's positions. That's, that's you know, somebody having a really solid, you know, BJJ brick move that they smashed you with that one time. I mean, that's that's just jujitsu. Yeah. You're going to get – there's nothing that protect you from, from a lower belt than yourself. Yeah. And, and if you get in a bad position – you're going to get caught occasionally. Yeah. And I like what what they say at the end of the article after the, the seven points. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll read it kind of word for word. But this idea does not mean that you aren't capable of protecting yourself against a man who doesn't know anything or who knows less than you. It doesn't mean you can't be a lot of the new guys who come into the room. It is simply meant to allow you to train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a long time without serious injury. And that's what it's about. Yeah, we need to keep training. We, as you train, you're learning. Being hurt, it's not fun. Uh, if you're getting hurt, it's not fun. It's not worth it. You know, so you need to train safe, train smart, and learn as much as you possibly can. And yeah. have fun. Have fun's the key. And I, and I like how, you, you know, you're you're still capable of handling yourself after a certain amount of tra- training and time against people who don't know what you're doing that's so much easier to to understand once that happens to you yeah and it, it's nice when you're you've been training a while and your skill level is kind of up there and you can control the pace of who you're going against and and we've all had the instance where uh some young aggressive guy comes in and you know he's been training for three four weeks a month you know a couple months and you you shake hands with him and and he starts going he powers up to nine thousand right off the bat <laughs> And, you know, it's kind of nice when you can control that tempo. You can, you know, slow the pace down. You can, you can match wherever he's at. And uh, it's, a, it's a nice skill to have. Yeah. And the thing that, that may give you some frustration is you're having trouble getting these techniques to work. You know, after some time, after a year, you know, even after a few months, when somebody walks in the door that doesn't know jiu-jitsu, it's it's open season. It's it's a lot easier to do. So I mean, for the self defense defense aspect of it, um, these techniques will work a lot easier on somebody who has no idea what you're doing. And and that's a big key. You're talking about self defense. Normally, when you're rolling in your gym, 
everybody knows jujitsu. Everybody knows your game. But, you know, on the self-defense aspect, you're going to get people that have no clue. And you start going for, you know, an underhook, they're not going to know how to react. And uh, your stuff's going to work. Great article. It is, I'll put a link to it on in the show notes. BJJKalen.blogspot.com. We'll put the link there for you guys. Um, before we get to the interview, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Fuji, Fuji Sports, for, uh, for supporting the show. Uh, I know, Gary, you've got their shorts. Yep. I tell you, uh, I've got a pair of the grappling shorts. I love them. Every time I wear them, people ask me about it. Um, we've got their geese. Uh, basically the same thing. Uh, I was talking to uh, somebody, I guess you wore your, your new Fuji Gi to class, and uh, they were telling me about it. They are like, yep, Byron came in with that Fuji Gi. We really loved it. So uh, Wearing it all the time. Yep, uh, great product. Uh, and like you said, if, if you want to support us, uh, you know, definitely go to fujisports.com. Uh, Fuji has been kind enough to give us a coupon code for all our listeners, 10% off. Uh, the coupon code is BJJ Brick and the BJJ and the B are all capitalized and then R-I-C-K. So BJJ Brick, uh, BJJ and the B are capitalized. So um, definitely, you know, check out Fuji Sports. Uh, grappling shorts are insane. Uh, the, as everybody knows, our geese are insane. Um uh, like them on Facebook. Uh, if you like them on Facebook, you'll see a new uh, rash guard they got coming out. I am getting that the day <laughs> it comes out. I I showed a bunch of my training partners it, and uh, uh, that new rash guard is uh, is coming out. It's just insane, also. But cool. uh, check out uh, Fuji Sports. All right, Gary. Let's roll our interview with Alan Hopkins. My name is Alan Hopkins. I'm a uh, third degree black belt from Master Fitters Hour, and. Uh, I have a school in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and then we have, um, let me see, we have uh, Pensacola, Florida, um, Mobile, Alabama, Morgan City, Louisiana, Lebanon, New Hampshire, Pedal, Mississippi, and uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, those, are, those are, I have affiliates there um, that are in the in Master Sowers organization, but they're they're uh, my direct affiliates. Um, yeah, that's that. How long have you been training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Uh, I started um, July thirteenth, nineteen ninety one, and I, um, I mean that was uh, that was the that was the date that I uh, took my first lesson. Yeah, the first. Uh, first class that was that was with uh, Grandmaster Hoy and Gracie and um that was uh it was in uh, North Glen, Colorado. That was just a seminar. And uh back then back then it did instead of like you know going and doing like a two, three hour seminar, back then it was like ten hours. It was uh <laughs> Whoa. they had a five hour session on, on Saturday and a five hour session on Sunday. During that seminar he, he uh you know, suggested suggested that you know the closest guy to me and the and one of his uh, one of his black belt instructors was uh, Pedro Sauer, who was in Utah. And um, so, after the seminar, I contacted him and uh, started. First, it was uh, I just drove out there, you know, and 
and uh, trained, and then I went out another time to kind of look and, you know, see if maybe I wanted to live there. And then and during that time, I had him come to uh, Kansas, Dodge City, which is, you know, where I met uh, your instructor, yeah. John. Um, so I you, think that was – what's that? You were driving from, from Dodge City to to Utah to yeah. train? How regular a basis was that? Uh, man, I just, uh, during that time, I just went, I would just went there twice. Okay. That was like, it was only, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't really that long of a period, um, from when I drove there until I moved there. Um, they kind of made the decision, like I went there, I went there, um, I went there one time. It wasn't, it wasn't really that bad because I had a, uh, a guy that I knew that lived in Denver and uh, I drove to Denver, and then we and then we rode out together. Um, so it wasn't that bad, you know. It wasn't wasn't uh, crazy drive or anything. But we went. I think we stayed maybe four days and uh, do the classes and take private classes. And the private classes back then they were like it was like uh, I think it was forty dollars an hour. So we each pay twenty bucks, which is, you know, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, so we would take uh, we would take those class and go to the go to the group class, and uh, like on Saturdays, you know, Master Sauer had this. Um, back then, he had a routine where he was going from basically one end of Salt Lake City all the way to the other end, where he was teaching an hour class and a private or two um, at one school. And then he would go, um, you know, to another place in Salt Lake and teach an hour class and a private or two and then go to the other side. And uh, that was the Saturday thing. And that's, you know, so we we got in on that the first time um, that we went out. And then uh, and I had already decided, you know, at that point that I would move there. So, you know, I had him come one time uh, to Dodge City for the seminar. And then after that, I went another time. And then when I got home, I was, I was just doing extra work and basically just getting ready, you know, to uh, to make the move. So what? that was that. Usually, when I ask people why they started jujitsu, a lot of them refer to the early UFCs and watching Hoist. But you said you started in 1991. That was before the first UFC, wasn't yes. it? Yes. How did you? Well, how did? How did you get hooked? Well, the um, I was already I was already, you know, doing other martial arts, and basically, I did. I started out in Japanese jiu-jitsu, and I was. Uh, was actually teaching a class at the at the community college in Dodge City, and uh, that's where I met John. That's where he came for the seminar that time. But when uh, I was um, I was doing Japanese jiu-jitsu, and and uh, back then there was um, almost no coverage uh, of any jiu-jitsu whatsoever in in any magazine. You know, Black Belt Magazine, yeah. you know, Inside, Inside Karate, Inside Kung Fu, you know, none of those magazines, I mean, 
you know, every once in a while they would have a story on, you know, Professor Wally Gay or another guy, but there was almost just like uh, nothing out there. Hardly, hardly any books, anything. So when I think it was actually, um, you know, it was way the, way earlier than that, even than uh, '91. I saw an ad. I don't know which magazine it was in. Maybe like even Inside Kung Fu, but there was an ad for Gracie Jiu Jitsu in Action, the uh, videotape, and so I mean, I, I hardly ever saw anything on jiu-jitsu, or, and I already had every, you know, VHS tape yeah. on on all the jiu-jitsu that was, that was around, so I was, um, so I ordered it to see what it was, and um, that was, it was back, I know it had to be around uh, 88, and, um, and then I would see occasionally, you know, an article on the Gracie family in, in one of the magazines, and, uh, so, at that point, I was kind of, uh, I was traveling around doing doing seminars, um, you know, from other martial arts guys, and I was kind of, you know, I, I should have just went right away, um, but I was kind of waiting until they were a little closer or this and that, and because um, back then I would attend seminars, you know, from these other people, maybe like in Tulsa, Dallas. Denver, um, kind of, you know, Oklahoma City, those, those kind of the range of, of uh, where I would go. And uh, so when uh, then Grandmaster Horian came to, came to Denver, and I was in July of 91, and, uh, it, w- and it was pretty awesome because nobody showed up for the seminar. Yeah. <laughs> the... Uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, like a private it was lesson. Because cool he he had uh, the the only reason I knew about the seminar because I had the newsletters. I uh, since I had bought that videotape, I was on the newsletter. Uh, you know, so I would get this newsletter when it when it came out, and uh, so it was pretty cool because uh, he said he had sent out eight hundred flyers in the Denver area. You know to for the seminar, yeah. but he sent them out too late and nobody had even received them. So it was only, uh, was me and the guy, Rod Lopez, the, the guy that, and I met him there. Um, we, then there was like, then there was like three other guys. So, well, no, it was one of my, one of my Japanese jiu-jitsu students was this guy, Rod Lopez and two other guys. And, um, I just I met the guy Rod because he and I did the same kind of Japanese jiu-jitsu. And uh, anyway, we uh, so, so the first day of the seminar was just five people, and then two more guys found out about it, and so the next day there were seven guys. So so for the ten hours we had, you know, basically like a semi-private yeah. with uh, Grandmaster Horian. So and he was like. Man, he was just incredibly cool, um, you know, and uh, just—I mean, he was a super nice guy, and I thought that was, uh, you know, that made it even. I already thought that you know what he was teaching was cool, but 
the fact that he was really cool, I was like, man, that's that's awesome. Yeah. You know? And uh, I asked him about his, you know, where his it, because after the after the seminar, I kind of, you know, I didn't I didn't uh, really know what to expect after you know just watching the the Gracie in action, um, because I was thinking, man, these guys are like, I'm not sure if they have something like that nobody else has or if they're just crazy, you know, like, um, so I wanted to see, and then when I went there, I found out, like, oh, this is way different than anything I've ever seen or, you know, not even, I mean, I had been training jiu-jitsu already for, you know, a while. Yeah. I was the instructor, you know, at the, at the, at the class already. And, uh, I mean, it was just ridiculous that you know I didn't I didn't have any idea what I was doing, you know, none. Like <laughs> almost almost worse than a beginner. Really? Because because I had some experience already, you know, doing 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 the other. So it was kind of a anyway. It was a, it was an eye opener and. And uh, so I decided that first day that uh, I was going to, you know, pack up and go wherever um, you guys were teaching that. And then uh, so I asked him the next day, and he, he was like, well, you know, right now we just have my school. And then across town, my brother Hickson has a school. And then in Utah, we have an instructor there named Pedro Sauer. And... Uh, you know, so I kind of looked on the map and, um, you know, it was like, well, uh, Utah seems like, uh, seems like a good bet because, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any interest to, uh, move to Los Angeles. I had, uh, I had been there one time before and, um, you know, my, the city I grew up in was like 700 people. So I didn't really want to move to LA. Yeah, so. that's understandable. Yeah, so I moved uh moved to uh Provo, Utah. So and that was uh that's where that's where Master Sauer was living at the time. So I get a and, good uh, a good picture of how how difficult it was to actually train and, and and how you had to travel around a lot to to get a to go learn anything about jiu jitsu and any tape you could buy you'd you'd get that right away. Um <clears throat> That's changed a lot over the years, hasn't it? Oh man, it's uh, man, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, back then, back then it was like, uh, I mean, when I when I first moved to Utah, there was a, uh, like I said, Master Sauer. He lived in Provo. He taught class in Salt Lake, and in Provo, and so, I mean, there was, uh, you know, guys trained there. I trained in Salt Lake, and I was uh, living in his house at the time, and I had saved up some money, so I was just, you know, riding with him back and forth to the classes and just doing, you know, whatever he was doing, I was doing. And uh, so the uh, it was crazy to see, like, the guys in Provo, I mean, Unless they came to Salt Lake, they they would uh, you know maybe 
not know some of the things the guys in Salt Lake knew and vice versa, you know. Um, it was uh, because nobody nobody knew anything. Yeah. And so, so back then it was like, man, if you were, I mean, if you literally, if you had like 10 classes and the guy had eight classes, then you're making the guy tap. You know, with the two extra days you had, <laughs> that, was, that was how it was because yeah. nobody, nobody had a clue. You know, um, and uh, you know some guys I would see they, they may go to Salt Lake and take a class, and go back to uh, Provo and, you know, tap the guys, um, you know, with with uh, the moves they learned in Salt Lake that night because it hadn't been taught in Provo yet. You know. It was uh, that's how that's how little you know everybody knew back then. So actually, I remember one time we had a uh, uh, Fabio Santos who um, had been living previous to to me moving there, and um, and actually in Master Sauer moving there, he had, he had been living in Park City, Utah, for about I think about ten years, and. Uh, then he then he moved back to California and started, you know, working at the Gracie Academy and this and that. And um, but he would still go to Park City every once in a while to ski. And uh, so one of the times he came there, he um, I remember he came to the school and and taught uh, baseball bat choke. And I think um, I was like maybe blue belt, like two three stripes or something. I can't remember. But, uh, you know, he just came in like nobody knew he was coming. He just showed up. Yeah. And, uh, but he, he taught the class that night. And I remember and he showed a couple of things, but I remember when he showed the baseball bat choke. So it was like everybody who wasn't at that class <laughs> for, for like the next like week, everybody was, was getting tapped with the baseball bat choke because they weren't there that night, you know. Like had no idea, had no idea that was coming. Yeah, you know? and uh, so that's a, that's that kind of stuff used to happen all the time. So, could, but, could you? Yeah, so big difference, big difference in now where you can you know see jujitsu everywhere. Yeah, uh, and you're around the country that is filling up with with a lot of different schools and. You know, you don't have to travel nearly as far to go do some jujitsu. And then when you walk in, the, right. even when I started, uh, my instructor was a purple belt. And now you walk in, and there's a lot, there's a lot more talent on the mat. You know, there's right. several purple belts, brown belts, black belts on the mat. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's just as it grows, it's it's easier for the white belts that walk in today to get better faster than it was. That is uh, that is true, man. There was, um, you know, often, you know, I think about when. Uh, you know, when Master Sauer started in Brazil, when uh, when he would, um, you know, when he started, when he would go into the school, a lot of guys, you know, Grandmaster Helps and Grandmaster Hoy and these guys were black belts already. Yeah. And there was and there was older, you know, older black belts from the Gracie Academy, not necessarily family members, but you know, there was older black belts there. And uh, so when he started, he would have the you know, all these black belts there. And like I remember when I moved to Utah, there was um 
And there was a couple guys. He, he had been there since, like, 91. So he, he had already been there. So there was, you know, there were some guys training. But, but basically, it was, I mean, you know, we had this black belt. And he was a, he was a two-stripe when I moved there. And, you know, it was, it was him and a whole bunch of white belts, basically. So, man, we would, uh, you know, everybody would come to class, and nobody, like, I mean, obviously, you know, nobody knew anything. So it wasn't like, you know, when we were going over moves, it wasn't like you could ask your partner even, yeah. like, man, you think I'm doing that right? <laughs> I mean, the guy, the guy didn't know either. Yeah. You know, it's like, man, you know, nowadays, it's like when I come in to teach my class, even it's like, you know, I have, uh, I can just show the move and then I don't really even need to walk around because everybody, you know, everybody's with a partner that can kind of help them out a little bit. I just need to help them with the big questions, yeah. you know, with the details or whatever. I don't have to like, you know, the basic idea of the move, there's, you know, brown belts in the class and purple belts in the class and blue belts in the class that, you know, can kind of help people out a little bit, you know. So, it's, um, as far as that goes, the, it, it is way easier for the white belt. I mean, everybody, everybody in my class that comes in today as a white belt, you know, should be better um, than the guys that came in before them at white belt because they have everybody in the room can kind of help them out. It's not just like only one guy. Yeah, the team you know? built a stronger team. Yeah. So, and that's what, uh, you know, in Utah, in Utah the team is uh, the unified, unified jiu-jitsu, the team that uh, after Matt Sauer left Shaw Lake, there was, uh, I think, maybe four or five, four or five black belts there um, and, uh, you know, they all, they all kind of stayed together. And now I think there's, I don't even know, 10 or 12 black belts there, all for one school. And, um, I mean, it's just, uh, like an amazing powerhouse of jujitsu at that place, you know? Yeah. And they have, Sounds like it. I mean, all of all of their guys, man, every single guy that trained there, you know, black belt, brown, blue, you know, everybody's, everybody's, you know, pretty serious, pretty serious there. It's, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of good guys, so, let's see, uh, you know, it's a lot different than back in the day. Yeah. Could, for the people who don't know you and haven't been on the mat with you, could you describe your game? And I, I have clumsy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, I honestly have no idea, man. I, uh, I, well, I tell you this, man, when I, when I first started, yeah, I, I spent, uh, many years on my back, um, you know, fighting like crazy to, uh, not get murdered by the, you know, bigger, stronger guys. And um, even even though 
you know, Matt Sauer was preaching constantly, um, you know, to train easy and this and that or whatever. I mean, nobody did. And um, so I think probably um, my best, the best part of the jiu-jitsu that I do is, is defense um, because I had to do so much of it. Yeah. And um, and I think, but, you know, after after that period of time where, where I was uh, just fighting for my life and, you know, just trying to survive another, you know, get out of one more submission to just, you know, to be put in another. As soon as that, that period where I kind of went from doing that and then kind of being able to get asleep every once in a while and then being on top, I think, you know, I mean, I would prefer to be on top yeah. and, and smashing people. That's, that's, um, you know, probably <laughs> I wouldn't, I would, I train with smooth guys, you know, and, and I wouldn't, uh, um, you know, consider myself very smooth and I wouldn't, uh, you know, even though that's what I try and teach, I wouldn't consider myself very smooth or, um, you know, strong or, but I have acquired some leverage over, you know, 22 years, so I, I like to, you know, put leverage on some guys and put some pressure, and uh, that's that's probably the most accurate, I would think. Yeah. Um, now, of course, that's like, you know, in the academy, um, you know, I just train on my back and work my guard. Um, only, you know, only certain guys I would, you know, I like to get on top and smash them, you know. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I don't, I don't really have any, uh, you know, signature moves or anything like that. Maybe paper cutter choke. Yeah. But I'd be my most used technique probably. Um, but other than that, nothing, you know, really, really comes to mind. How has Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu helped you off of the mat? in your regular life? Um, that's a good question. You know, I, uh, well, jiu-jitsu is, I mean, everything that I do, everything that I have in my life is, is because of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Um, and I can't really, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I've been, uh, you know, like I said, I, I moved to Salt Lake City and started living with Matt Sauer in 93 and was kind of, you know, doing odd jobs for him. Um, and then started working at the academy. And I had some, you know, I had some, some sorry-ass jobs, you know, in Salt Lake before that. Um, but once I started working at the academy, um, you know, I was kind of managing the academy and, and, uh, you know, doing, I was, well, I was the only employee. So everything that happened there, I was doing, Yeah. um, you know, cleaning and, uh, signing people up and, you know, teaching classes, whatever, if somebody was there, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but that has, 
I mean, that's that's been since probably '97. So what is that? About 17 years, probably. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I, I honestly I don't know how it how it <laughs> changed my life. Um, You're so used really, to having it in your life. Yeah, that's really the only thing that I know. Um, you know, since uh, since that time, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I know I couldn't do anything else. I know that. Yeah. From, uh, I had only, I had only when I moved there. You know, since since nobody else, you know, was doing jujitsu. Like I said at the time, you know, there was just three schools basically. So, you know, I was thinking I would just go there for like a year or two, and then and then move back and just incorporate that into what I was already doing. And I would be the only guy that knew it, you know. And uh, but then after I'd been there, you know, only like a month or two, I was like, "Oh man, that's, I'm not going to leave here," you know. Yeah. A blue belt or whatever. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to leave till I'm a black belt. So that's that's what I did. We, we've talked. And then of course, of course. Then later, you know, it was like I see. I moved there, and about about a month. Month and a half later was the first UFC, and uh, we went. I don't know, maybe ten of us from Salt Lake went, and uh, so shoot. After that, I mean, then the whole world knew about it. So it was yeah. like it wasn't just going to be a little secret anymore, you know. So you went to to, to the first UFC. Mm-hmm. Wow. I went to the first UFC, man. I had uh, my ticket. It was funny too. I, I had uh, I sat uh, ringside. My ticket was twenty four dollars <laughs> and twenty cents. Uh, and actually, my ticket is at the Gracie uh, in the museum at the Gracie Academy. Is it really? That's cool. Yeah, they have. Uh, um, they didn't have one, so so I had the uh, I sent them mine. So you're probably one of the few people in the audience that. That that hoist was gonna win everything. Yeah, it was it was so funny, man. I uh, I uh, the guy I was with, I was with this guy again, you know, Rod Lopez, who who actually is is responsible for the UFC and responsible for. I mean, he. It, I mean, it, it's crazy to even think about the the MMA today. You know, it's like, I mean, shoot, I, like on every corner where there's any kind of civilization, you have a you know, some type of, you know, UFC, some kind of MMA show, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, when we, at that seminar that, uh, Grandmaster Orion did in, um, uh, well, wherever the hell that was in Colorado, um, shoot. Well, the first one I went to was, uh, North Clay. Northland, Colorado. When uh, um, we were at that seminar, you know the the something came up about the uh, you know the these free for all fights and this and that or whatever. And uh, it was Rod Lopez who actually told Grandmaster Horian that uh, Colorado didn't have a boxing commission and um, that you know somebody could apply for it and if they became the commissioner, they could have any kind of fights they wanted there. So 
Wow. Um, yeah, so that's that's what happened, and that's pretty much, uh, you know, I mean, then it went from there. Huh, I did not know that. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. And the guy, and the guy Rod, then, uh, you know, he was, uh, um, well, I came back um, when the guys came from Utah to go to the UFC. I stayed at Rod's and, and uh, we went to the uh, went to the show together. And uh, he said uh, he said something funny. He was like, he said, man, because when the fights were over, he's like, man, we got to get out of here. I was like, why? He said, man, these guys are gonna there's gonna be fights everywhere. <laughs> I said, I said, man, we're the only guys in the whole building who know jujitsu, man. <laughs> like, and uh, but anyway, he was That's worried, funny. man. He, yeah. he he had a jujitsu sticker on his uh, on his jeep, and he said, man, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna slack the tires, you know, for some reason there was a lot of upset people in there. You know, everybody was freaking out. Yeah. But and it was. Uh, that was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, sounds like a like a good time, or a amazing experience to see UFC one live, and be rooting for Hoist Gracie. That actually knew what he's yeah. doing, and that's cool. We've talked quite a bit about uh, BJJ in the past and how hard it was to train, and and and, and how you had to move around a lot. But um, where do you think Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is going in the future? Uh. Yeah, and that's a, that's a, you know, that's a great question, man. I think, uh, I see, I see a lot of, you know, people talking about this on the internet, you know, um, and I think, uh, I think there's a lot of guys who teach Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, like at my school, I, I teach Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, we do, we have a hundred 15 stand-up techniques, you know, from, from Grandmaster Elio. We have, uh, you know, we do everything on the ground also, like for sport jiu-jitsu or whatever. Um, and we also do um, Valley Tudo application, which is not really necessarily the same thing as MMA. Um, but the, uh, you know, my school... All my students, you know, will um, carry that on. You yeah. Know? They, uh, um, and I mean, I guess, you know, as far as the schools that, you know, and, and whatever guys want to call it, you know, BJJ or whatever, I most associate BJJ with the guys who are just doing the tournaments. Which, okay, yeah. Which may not always be May not always be the case, but I think, um, I mean, honestly, man, there's, there's really no telling what, what's going to happen with that because, I mean, some of, some of the stuff is, is, uh, I mean, basically it's just like, you know, a lot of guys are saying on the internet man, in jujitsu and what, what drew me to it, like, from from day one was, um, you know, like for instance, I did I did Japanese jujitsu, right? Uh, yeah. I never felt comfortable, you know, dealing with somebody who was striking, because 
you know, I just didn't, I only knew a couple things and it wasn't, it didn't seem like it was spot on for me. I didn't, I didn't really understand anything about, you know, closing the distance and different things like that. And so when I started, you know, Gracie Jiu Jitsu from day one, it was like, man, you know, you have basically have self-defense, have, you know, which, which to me again is like, I, I know plenty of sport guys who don't know a headlock defense, don't know how to get out of a guillotine, yeah, you know, don't know how to defend against a sucker punch, which, I mean, that that's awesome, you know, if you just compete in the sport and you're not fooling yourself, but if, um, I mean, that, that's pretty, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out, man. If you can't get, if somebody, I mean, I live in Mississippi, you know, if somebody is going to attack me, I can almost assure you it's going to be with a sucker punch or a headlock. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be, you know, 50-50 guard. <laughs> so, you know, the, and that's cool, man. You know, if guys are in the school, they want to work on 50-50 guard because they're going to the tournament. That's great. But they still have to know how to get out of a headlock. Um, they still have to know how to get out of a guillotine and a rear bear hug and somebody trying to choke you from the back. You know, they have to know these things. They can know whatever else they want, too. But they have to know these things in the class. So, you know, that's the way I run my school. And there's there's more, you know, there's more guys out there, too, that do the same thing. I know plenty of, you know, school owners that do the same thing like that. But, um, you know, you have a also a very large group of, you know, sport BJJ guys who, you know, like to think that the self-defense is silly and this and that. And, but you know, I mean, I can get out of a headlock. I don't know, you know, to me that's not silly. And I think, uh, well, I don't know, man. I just, I just don't see... I, I don't I don't know where they, they will go with that honestly. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like like the other day, you know the the Hoyler Eddie Bravo match, which you know, like I said, I thought was great. But and, but at the same time, it's like you know, it, and I don't have anything against Eddie, but at the same time, I just don't see what he's doing is relevant to self-defense in any way. Like, I know, you know, if you lined up 100 guys, Hoyler could defend himself with the jiu-jitsu that he knows against 100 normal guys. Yeah. Just like some dude off the street, you know, in a street fight, they grab you however and do this and that. And using the techniques, like, you know, the lockdown or whatever, that just doesn't seem like a good idea you know, to do to a uh, hundred random guys on the street. I don't know. That's just, that's just my. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of those new, not to say new, but those positions where you would not be able to do that at all in, yeah. in, a, in, in a fight or in, in MMA. And yeah. Some work better sure, than others. I'm but... sure, Eddie, I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I'm sure, 
if you put a whole bunch of guys, you know, in the uh, you know on the mat with him, he would do that to all the guys. Yeah. You know, he could hold all their legs like that, do those sweeps like he did, because he's really good at that. Yeah. That's the thing. But as far as like, you know, the tradition of jiu-jitsu, being able to defend yourself with it, like that just doesn't seem like, you know, a good defense strategy. You're not you're not so. keeping yourself safe throughout the fight necessarily. That's that's, by, that's what I by getting those positions. Yeah, I have a different question for you here. If you have a, a student uh, that's wanting to compete for the first time, what advice would you give that student? Just to relax, basically. I have, I have, uh, I don't, I don't have too many that do, but I just, you know, just relax, have fun, you know. If they, if they did it and they liked it and they thought it was great, then, you know, maybe the next time. You know, we would uh, be more specific in the training, you know. Like, I think, I mean, back in the day, you know, we, <laughs> we used to, um, like, if we were going to go to a tournament, we just went to the tournament. Yeah. Like, you know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, there was no special training or anything like that. We were basically, you know, hanging out drinking beer, and then we'd go to the tournament. That was, you know, nowadays it's a little different. You know, nowadays you got guys that are, man, they they make a living doing the tournaments. Even guys who are, uh, you know, lower in the belts, you know, are like very serious. Diet, training, you know, doing CrossFit or whatever it is. I mean, if guys, if guys want to go just for fun, you know, that's one thing. But... The guys are expecting to win, and you know. I mean, I try to tell you, you can be you can be sad, you know, when uh, when you go there if you're not putting in what these guys are doing because it's pretty serious. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a serious uh, it's serious business now. You got these guys, you know, like like the guy Keenan, man, he's uh, he's been training since he was two years old, you know. Um, you have several, you know, several, you know, like Zach Maxwell. Yeah. You know, I mean, his uh, his dad was, I don't know, like the second American black belt or something like that. Yeah, so that sounds like, right. You know, he, he's been training. He's been training the same, you know, since he's like two years old. And uh, along with the physical conditioning and all this stuff, so you have a, you know, you have a whole nother, uh, you know, a whole nother level of what's going on. Yeah, it becomes their their job. To... But uh, I mean, back in back when you know I was a blue belt and you know purple belt or whatever. Basically, you know, to be in a tournament, you needed to be able to pass the guard and escape the cross block. And that was, you know, that's what I would have the guys work on. Yeah, you know, pass the guard and escape cross block. Any other position. You know, now, at, you know, you, you work on those all the time, normal. Guys are guys are more used to those positions, but, you know, in the tournament, like, the guy gets cross-body, he's, he's not going anywhere, you know. I, uh, I found that out. My, my very first tournament was actually, uh, 
Actually, I don't know if it was Eddie Bravo's first tournament, but um, his first victory in the tournament was against me. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, and I was, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you ever seen his books, but he has a picture in there of, you know, he's like, this is my first tournament win or whatever, and it's me. And uh, that was my first tournament that I ever went to. And uh, I remember having a short exchange you know, man, I passed his guard. He, passed, he swept me or something. I, he passed my guard or whatever. But uh, I remember he went to crossbody and never moved. Like, never, never even thought about moving. Which is like hanging on like crazy. And uh, I, it was the first time I ever experienced that. And I had no idea, like, that somebody would do that. Yeah. Because we never, never, I mean, as far as I know, in any of Master Silas classes, nobody has ever counted points. Or, you know, if I was going to send my guys to the tournament, they wouldn't know what the points are. They, like, you know, I would have to tell them, hey, just remember, this is what the points are. Because they don't know. Because that's not, you know, we're training in here until, you know, make the guy tap. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I remember, uh, you know, in that match, you know, Eddie was there across body. I was like, I didn't even attempt to escape, like, for the first little bit because I knew he would try to mount. I knew he would try to choke me. I knew he would try to take my arm because that's what guys did when they get cross body, you know. They don't just lay there and hold you. I mean, at least in my mind. Yeah. So, so when uh, I mean, it was kind of was kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. I was like, I was like, man, I was thinking to myself, man, was, I couldn't, you know, I was trying to see, man, is the guy gonna, is he gonna mount? Is he gonna, <laughs> you know, I couldn't. Nothing, nothing was going on. Yeah. You know? and uh, so. By the time, by the time I figure it out, you know, I'm kind of thinking like, man, this guy is not going to do anything. And uh, so then I start struggling, and you know, I don't know if I could have got out anyway, but I was, uh, I was pretty stuck at that point, and I couldn't go anywhere. And uh, so I was just like, I was like, dang, I was thinking, man, this, thinking that that really sucks, you know. And uh, you know, so I was like. When I get when we got back to Salt Lake, I told Master Sal, I was like, man, this guy is like, when he got the cross body, he just, you know, he was like, yeah, that's what guys do. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, <laughs> you couldn't have said anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I never, I never experienced that ever in these Yeah. Time. Not one time. And, uh, so that was, that was kind of weird, you know. Um, and I never, you know, I don't, I don't think it was just that experience, but I never, I, ne- I never was really, you know, other than the, like I would go to the Pan Ams or or the Worlds, um, you know, and 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 watch because I like to be, you know, it's nice to be in a room with you know with five thousand people who all do jujitsu. Yeah. 
And, you know, that's, that's the only place you're going to ever have that is, you know, if you go to a big tournament, there's going to be all these guys and everybody, you know, everybody loves jiu-jitsu and basically understands your life, kind of, you know. You can't, you can't get that anywhere else. Yeah. But as far as the, you know, the tournaments, like I was already, um, you know, when I started, I was 25 years old. And so by the time I did my, by the time I did the first tournament, I think I was like right about, I must have been like 29, 30 years old. You know, we didn't have, I was living in Utah, you know, it was, we didn't have tournaments in Utah. The first tournament, the first tournament that, uh, uh, you know, we drove out to California was, uh, the Machado brothers put it on. And, uh, it was like, you know, that was, I was 30 years old, which for me at the time was already like, you know, kind of over the hill, you know, in my mind as far as like, you know, competing yeah. and all this <laughs> stuff. So I never, Never was it really anything that I, you know, that I thought about too much, and and I saw, I saw, so many guys even early on that, you know, were in our academy that guys were you know tapping on the regular, and you know, at the tournaments would would beat guys, um, you know, who would. Outpointed or whatever, the uh, you know guys who beat those other guys, you know. So I was always thinking, like, man, this guy, this guy got murdered, you know, um, in the school, but he won the tournament. It's like, you know, how's that happen? Yeah. So, so I never personally, and don't get me wrong, I know there's guys who do tournaments and. You know, win tournaments that are fantastic. Um, but I also think the guy, the guy who wins isn't always the best guy at jiu-jitsu. I mean, I think Carl, you know, would be a good example of some of his matches yeah. where, you know, if, the, if those guys go to his academy and they're just going to train, they're going to get tapped, you know, like... That's just what's going to happen. But somehow, you know, in the tournament, because he's going, you know, for the win, and the guy's slipping a point here and there, you know, it makes a difference, you know. Yeah. So Try, Trying to <laughs> score anyway. a point or an advantage or and then the yeah, however, stalling yeah, thing. However, and... however, yeah. I mean, any, anybody who's ever went to a tournament has seen that, you know. I mean, it's like, as long as the, you know, it's like sometimes, man, the guy, well, anybody who goes to the tournament can see that, you know. It's not always the guy who has the better jiu-jitsu is winning, you know. Well, that's about all the questions I have for you. Okay, cool. <laughs> but thank you. Thanks a lot, man. It was really a pleasure to talking with you. Man, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. Big thanks to Alan Hopkins again for for giving us the interview is a joy to talk with him and and uh bringing back some old memories of, of my early training and and back in those days there weren't a lot of black belts so when he came to town i mean we were starstruck absolutely it was, uh, it was uh it was a 
such a pleasure for us to get to train with somebody with that much knowledge. And you could just imagine back in his day as a white belt, there were a lot less black belts around. Yeah, definitely. So you could you could see why he why he moved to go to go train and, and to get better. Yeah, he didn't have a have a choice out yeah. of Dodge City. Either you're gonna get to drive to a seminar occasionally, or pack up and, and get out there and 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 live and, and immerse yourself in that environment. And that's what he did. Check us out next week, guys. We've got an interview uh, with Cliff. Yep, Dwayne Clifford uh, from Supplement U. Uh, great guy and. He's going to share a lot of knowledge um, on how to uh, use supplements um, in your training. Yeah, really help you get get toward help you reach your goals. Um, that's often an area that's neglected in the in the jiu-jitsu community is is what you're putting in your body. As far yeah. as you know, we all like to go train; it's fun. But to to sit down and break down the science behind what you're putting into your body that does matter. Yeah. Yeah. And if you talk to Dwayne, you know he's just a guy. He's there to help you. You know he's going to ask you. What are you trying to accomplish? And then he's going to go from there. Yeah, so it's a it's a great interview that we'll have next week for uh, with him for you guys. Um, we've got to thank our sponsor, FujiSports.com. Like we said before, there's a, a coupon code, capital BJJ, capital BRICK, first letters capitalized. Uh, get you 10% off, swing by there, check out uh, our, the victory geese me and Gary have. And Gary's got some grappling shorts as well. Uh, he's in love with those shorts. <laughs> I tell you, I need to get some more. So, uh We'll put links to those on the on the show notes. Uh, we appreciate uh, our five star reviews we've got on iTunes. Uh, they mean a lot to us, and they really help get the show promoted to other people. So people keep finding us. The show keeps growing. We really appreciate that, guys. And we also appreciate uh, the comments and uh, questions you send us to uh, bjjbrick at gmail dot com. Uh, it seems like we're getting a little, some more comments. Uh, we appreciate you know, good or bad. We want to make a great show, so. Uh, um, actually, we only get good comments. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> we get lucky. <laughs> we, get com- we get lucky. Good comments or jokes. Yeah, <laughs> we get some jokes, but hey, we appreciate that. Yeah. You know, we're we, we're uh, funny guys. Got a great sense of humor. So, uh, you know, we send us send us whatever you want to send us. We'll uh, we'll get a kick out. We of got it. a comment earlier this week, and it'd be uh, I think a Facebook message that somebody sent me that their student shared with them that we had the article of the week was was written by their instructor. And that was awesome. I'm thinking, that's one of the best things I've heard about our podcast because the student, A, listens. Oh, that's cool. But then he goes and shares it with his instructor. The instructor listened to it and then thought that the podcast was good and then bothered to send us a message. I'm like, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Just even taking that time to send a message. and That was just so neat. Uh, you know, Byron forwarded that message to me while I was at work and I read it and it just made the rest of my day. You know, it was really neat that, uh, like Byron said, how that all come together. And, uh, so what we do is we, you know, for article of the week, we're always, uh, you know, scouring the internet and, you know, Facebook and whatever else comes around. And, uh, I think that would be pretty neat if I had had a blog, you know, like Caitlin today. And, uh, you know, we picked up your, uh, your article, you know, we just thought it's a great article. So, uh, you know, we appreciate everybody who publishes stuff out there. Um, and it helps us all train and get better. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. Okay. Catch you next week.